Matthew chapter 24, we're doing verse by verse through Matthew 24 on Wednesday night. So I invite you to turn there. We'll be in verses 9 through 13 this evening. Page 1,142, should you be using that Bible under the seat in front of you. Forgive me this evening if I sound stuffy and congested. I might have a little foggy brain. Kim and I are both uh, sort of getting over one of those nasty head colds. So, but I'm going to give it my best shot tonight, okay? So Matthew chapter 24. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for these special moments, these precious moments that you give us gathered together in your name your book opened Lord I pray that you would continue to use this portion of your word to uh, make us aware and prepared and equipped to face the challenges in these last days as your people so I pray this in Jesus name Amen. Listen to what Martin Luther said back in the 16th century. He said, I hope that the day is near at hand when the advent of the great God will appear. For all things everywhere are boiling, burning, moving, falling, sinking, groaning. Man, he said that way back then. If he felt that way back then, imagine how much more we should feel the way things are today. And this is such a vivid description of really how I feel. I look around. All things everywhere are boiling, burning, moving, falling, sinking, groaning. I do believe that we are living in the last days. I don't think there's any doubt. I think we're very close to the rapture of the church, the tribulation period, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I say that because Jesus gives us very clear signs in Matthew chapter 24 that indicate to me that we are in fact living in the last days. Jesus said in the last days there will be massive deception, false teachers, imposters, He said in the last days there will be wars and rumors of wars. He said that there would be cataclysmic events in the last days, famines, pestilences, crazy things going on in the sky, earthquakes in various places. By the way, did any of you feel the earthquake this morning at 3.27 a.m., about 200 miles from here? Now, of course, all of these signs, the fact of them, that's not the sign. There's always been earthquakes and famines, and there's always been wars, and there's always been deception. It's the escalation of them. Jesus said they become more intense and more frequent, and I think we're seeing that. Well, let's look at some other signs. Let's keep populating this list. Jesus continues in verse 9. He says, Then 
they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. First notice that that first sign is repeated here again. Verse 11, Jesus says, Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Jesus already mentioned that in verses 4 and 5. He'll also go on and actually mention that again. So this spiritual deception is a big time sign of the last days. And the fact that he continues to mention this shows that there will be a continual escalation of deception. Society will be utterly deceived in the last days. And ultimately it's heading for a time where the entire world will be deceived in accepting, embracing, and receiving the Antichrist, who will be in charge of a one-world government, a one-world economy, and a one-world religion. So massive, massive deception in the last days. Let's go to another one, new territory. Lawlessness. Verse 12, Jesus said, because lawlessness will abound. Now understand, in the last days, there will be lawlessness. This is the Greek word anamas. It's uh, the word namas, which means law. And you put an A in front of it, and it makes it negative. So the word actually literally means No law. Without law. Now that doesn't mean that a law won't exist in the last days. There's a law that exists all the time. You know what law that is? God's law. God's law has always existed and it will exist in the last days. God has revealed his righteous requirements for this world. God has revealed his standards. It's been revealed in the Bible. You go to the Ten Commandments, do not murder, do not lie, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not covet. We're told to worship the one true God, not to create any images. The Bible defines family, marriage, sexual purity, authority, all of that. That law always exists. It's God's law. It's always been and it always will be. And in fact, I believe that that is the natural law. I believe as people who have been created in the image of God, all that is written in our conscience. In the last days, no law means ignoring that law. Rebelling against that law. 
the complete disregard and disobedience of God's righteous standards will abound in the last days. Or you could put it another way. Wickedness will abound in the last days. Sinfulness will abound in the last days. Now, there's always been lawlessness. There's always been wickedness. There's always been sin. But the scripture points to this idea that in the last days, society will become an absolute cesspool of human depravity, wickedness, and sin. Sexual perversions, violence, crime, theft. In fact, it says... Because lawlessness will abound. In the Greek, that's a word that speaks of something that is in superabundance. You'll have depravity and wickedness over the top. So the last day society will be filled with all of that. Later on in the sermon, as you're going to see in coming weeks, Jesus will say that the last days will be like the days of Noah. In the days leading up to God judging the entire world with the flood. And Genesis chapter 6 gives us a description of what men were like in those days. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth. And he was grieved in his heart. The flood came. Gang, society will get to that in the last days. Just absolute ugliness. Absolute wickedness. And, you know, this idea of a namas, no law. The the idea really is there's no such thing as an absolute truth. And that's what sort of reigns in today's society. Everything's relative. There's no right, there's no wrong. You're going to make up your right, you're going to make up your wrong. There's no good, there's no evil. There's no punishment for evil, there's no reward for good. And when you have that in society, when there's no law, you have total chaos. One of the darkest periods of history in the nation of Israel is recorded in the book of Judges. Have any of you ever read through the book of Judges? Not a very lot. Not many of you. Is that really? You've not, how many of you read through the book of Judges? Okay, that's more. Um, boy, I'll tell you, that's a tough read. The things that Israel does in that period of history, again, you read of violence and sexual perversion and excessive lawlessness. And you read this verse over and over in the book of Judges. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. I believe we're living in days just like that. Everyone lives doing what's right in their own eyes. Live your own truth. And unfortunately, when you completely lose the absolute truth, any concept that there is absolute morality, since the human race is a sinful human race, 
it actually begins to even turn things upside down to where everything will get backwards. That's why Isaiah the prophet prophesying in his day said, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Now that predicts a day when the good is called evil. Evil is called good. Light is called darkness. Darkness is called light. Bitter is called sweet. Sweet is called bitter. Those are the days in which we live. I don't know about you, but every day I shake my head at something. Everything's turned upside down. Sexual perversion. And... uh, Those who espouse that thing. I mean, we live in a day and age where the sexual perverts occupy the high ground in our culture. I want you to think about that for just a moment. It's all backwards. We're supposed to just accept people when they say there's more than two genders. We're supposed to just accept everybody's uh, sinful behavior. And not accept it, but affirm it. Applaud it. And so, men can dress like women and go into women's locker rooms. Men can dress like women and play sports with other women. And, uh, you know, the, the... The man can dress up like the woman and beat all the other ladies in the bike race. Or the man can dress up like the woman and knock all the teeth out of another woman on a field hockey game, as was reported just yesterday. And we're all supposed to say, yeah, that's right. It's not right. It's insane. It's insanity. It's all backwards. Right now, we live in a society that vilifies law enforcement. And glorifies criminals. Last night, I've never been to one of these. Several of us at the church, we went to a town meeting where we had law enforcement get up and tell us about the smuggling that's happening. Giving us updates and teaching, you know, how to look for things and whatnot. It was an incredible meeting and I respect those guys. There were people in that meeting as plants with an agenda saying things to disparage the police officers. It was so frustrating, and unfortunately I did let my frustration show last night. I think I embarrassed my wife. (laughs) It's just so sad to me that in every aspect of society, that which you should be supporting and promoting and lifting up and saying this is worthy, they're tearing down. And that which should be spoken against is lifted up. So we live in a world that vilifies the nation of Israel in a just war. We live in a world that protests in support, that marches in support of the Hamas terrorist 
organization. It's all backwards. I woke up this morning, you know, to news about the election last night. And one article I read gleefully reported two big winners last night. The legalization of marijuana and abortion rights. It's upside down. This is the day and age in which we live. And I could go on and on and on from every different sector of life. Like I said, I shake my head every single day, it seems like. Listen to this warning out of Proverbs chapter 17. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous are both alike an abomination to the Lord. If you're on the wrong side of good and evil, woe buddy. Woe buddy. Those who justify and protect and promote that which is wicked. And those who disparage and condemn that which is righteous are an abomination in the eyes of the Lord. Lawlessness. Does that indicate that we're living in the last days? I certainly think so. Okay, another sign, and this one I'm going to call violent hatred. The last days will be marked with hatred and a violent hatred. There will be a hatred in general among the last day society. Look at verse 10. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. In the last days, this is talking about society in general. Your general society, your community out there. Many will hate one another. It goes on in verse 12. Jesus says, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. The love of many. What a chilling. I always picture a candle being blown out. Candle of love. I do believe that even uh, the human race in its fallen nature, we've been created in in the image of God. and, And there's a natural part of us that appreciates people. Respects people, shows love to people, would be concerned about people, and care for people. In the last days, that goes away. The candle of basic decency and love for fellow man will go out. I think the last day society, and I think we're seeing it right now, will be a brutal, savage society. There will be more acts of hate than there are love. Hate will be spread all over the place, and we see it all over the social media. Hate will be spread through protesting, different camps. Hate is being expressed through all the different wars. And I see just a mindless, senseless murder of human beings everywhere. Mass murders. 
gang shootings, hatred. Notice the, more of the details there in verse 10. It says, many will be offended and many will betray one another. So in the last days, many will betray one another. Now, betrayal implies good, solid relationships, intimate relationships. So the idea is intimate relationships, intimate friendships will betray one another. Husbands will betray wives. Wives will betray husbands. Parents will betray kids. Kids will betray parents. Close friends will betray close friends. That's the idea. More and more and more of that. The human race will sort of be divided up into separate camps, and whatever camp you're in will take priority even among your family relationships. It doesn't matter. And I think we got a precursor of that in 2020. Do you remember how divided we were? I've never seen an uglier political scene in my life. It was the worst year I've ever experienced as a pastor of a church when it comes for division. We had the maskers, remember that? Versus the anti-maskers. And there were people that would judge each other on whether or not they would wear a mask or not. Certain, uh, you know, if you were a Democrat or a Republican, families wouldn't eat Thanksgiving together. Remember the lockout? Neighbors were encouraged to tattle on neighbors if they were having parties in the backyard. You remember that? I think that was just a precursor. The Bible teaches that the world is eventually getting to a point where there is one camp versus another. In the final kingdom of man, it's the Antichrist in charge, and you're with him or you're not. And some family members will be with him, others won't, and there will be betrayal, parent to parent, parent to child, all kinds of terrible things happening. Verse 10, there will be many offended. Now that, is anybody offended now? Who isn't offended? There's so many offended people on planet earth, it's disgusting. And you know what that, you know what that does? It turns to hatred. And camps and division. So you have a woke society and cancel culture running amok. And over the last several years in politics, and I've absolutely despised this, is the whole game of identity politics where everyone's divided up into different groups. You have men versus women. You have race versus race. You have gay versus straight. You have pro-lifer versus pro-choice. You have anti-climate versus climate activists. All of these different divisions perpetrated on purpose, I believe, by the enemy, causing hatred, bitterness, 
betrayal. The Bible says that a house divided cannot stand. A house divided cannot stand. If America keeps going the way it is, we can't stand. So all kinds of general hatred in the last days. But also in the last days, there'll be a focused hatred. There'll be a targeted hatred. Look at verse 9. Jesus is saying this to his disciples, his followers. He says, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Who's he talking to? Disciples. He's talking to his followers. His people. In the last days, God's people will be targeted. It says in verse 9, you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. All nations. You will be delivered up to persecution. That is language that implies uh, imprisoned, arrested, economically persecuted. It says, you will be killed. There'll be martyrs. Christians will be targeted. Christians will be persecuted in the last days for Jesus' sake. And I also believe that Jews, who as a nation have not yet embraced Jesus, but one day they will. But they also will be targeted specifically. Why, does, uh, why are Christians targeted? Why are Jews targeted? Because there's a real devil who hates the real God and hates the real people of God. This is coming. Now, some of you might say, yeah, but there's always been hatred. And you're right. There has always been hatred. There has always been persecution against the people of God. We've gone through it time and time again. The Jewish people since the beginning have been targeted by Satan, targeted by persecution throughout history, still to this very day. Christians have also been targeted and persecuted and been the object of hatred ever since the church was born. In fact, Jesus made this prediction to his disciples. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Beware of men, they will deliver you up to councils, scourge you in their synagogues. You will brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Brother will deliver up brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Jesus said, to his main disciples, those original apostles, you're going to be persecuted. And you know what? They all were. Do you realize that all of the apostles were martyred, except for one? All of them. Matthew suffered martyrdom, being slain with a sword in the city of Ethiopia. Mark was killed in Alexandria after cruelly being dragged through the streets of that city. Luke 
was hanged upon an olive tree in Greece. John was put in a cauldron of boiling oil, but escaped death, miraculously saved, and eventually he was exiled to Patmos. He's the writer of Revelation. He's the only one who wasn't martyred. He died of an old age. Peter was crucified at Rome with his head downward. James the Greater was beheaded at Jerusalem. James the Less was thrown from a lofty pinnacle of the temple and then beaten to death with a fuller's club. Bartholomew was flayed alive. Andrew was bound to a cross. Thomas was run through with a lance. Jude was shot to death with arrows. Matthias was first stoned and then beheaded. Barnabas of the Gentiles was stoned to death. And of course, Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle, after various tortures and persecutions, was at length beheaded at Rome by the Emperor Nero. Yeah, so there's been hatred in the early part of church. It's even recorded in the book of Acts. There was persecution, massive persecution. In the early part of church history, through the, that early part of Roman Empire, you remember the, the stories of the catacombs and the lions, and the tortured, and the, I have a a book on my bookshelf that I pull out every now and then, it's called the Fox's Book of Martyrs, and it tells the story of people that died as martyrs for the faith in the early part of church history. There's been persecution throughout church history, there's persecution today, there are Christians in prison today, there are Christians being martyred today, there's persecution of Christians in America. It hasn't reached that violent. Well, in some ways it has reached violence. But I'll tell you, if you're a Christian in this country, you're not, you're persecuted. Especially if you're a real salty one. So there's always been hatred. But understand, there's coming a day when it's going to be more intense more flagrant, more in your face, more direct, more obvious. So that's when I want to put up this chart for you that I put up before in the past. Right now we are living in the church age and the church age has always, always, always experienced hatred and opposition from the world. I believe the next uh, event on the on the prophetic timeline is the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church is going to take place. And after that, think of it, there won't be one believer on planet earth. Not one. The church is raptured. And that's when the whole world will go right like sheep to a slaughter right in line with the last world dictator in human history. The Antichrist will be here. And remember, we've talked about him. He'll put up, uh, he'll be in charge of the economy. It'll be the, the, the sign that you have to have in order to buy or sell or anything like that. And, and it, it's, we're told throughout the book of Revelation, people that don't go to him, don't worship him, don't stay in line with them, will be persecuted. Now, people will get saved during this tribulation period. People are going to come to know Christ. 
I'm hoping that people will get a hold of some of our tapes that we post online. Lots of churches have posted online. You know, there's a lot of people today that mock the rapture and the tribulation and the Antichrist. You're all crazy. When it happens, when it goes down, they're going to be like, where's those sermons? Where's those books? Because people will get saved. The Jewish people, there's going to be a revival. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about this next week. There's going to be a humongous revival during the tribulation period. Lots of people will get saved. But folks, it will be very, very difficult for them. In fact, most of them will be martyred. you got to go off the grid. You'll get betrayed by family members. In fact, we're told in Revelation chapter 6. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. That is John giving a picture of countless number of souls that will be martyred during the tribulation period. So there has always been this hatred. There's always been this violence towards Christians towards Jews, it will become very, very intense in these last years. So, massive deception, wars, rumors of wars, cataclysmic events, lawlessness, and violent hatred. And once again tonight, I've blessed you all so much, haven't I? Well, let me finish up with a few words. First, a word of comfort. A word of comfort. Jesus made promises to the church. Very important ones. In Matthew 28, he told us, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded to you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Listen, even with opposition, even with persecution, even in facing tough things, Jesus will never leave you. And the scripture even indicates that if you find yourself in this really tight spot where you're being persecuted, where it talks about you're standing before governors and judges, and have, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. God will empower his people. And then look at this promise. Jesus said to his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Now that is a promise from Jesus to the church. I'm coming for you. I'm making a place for you. And I believe that one day Jesus is coming specifically for his church. And that idea called the rapture. Paul speaks about it in 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, meaning die, physical death, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, 
in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. There's this event happening. I don't know what it's going to look like or when, but one day Jesus is coming for the church, and I believe that he comes for the church before all that. It still gets hard even up to here, but not nearly as hard there. You don't have to go through that. And take comfort in that. Now, I've actually known people. I've actually had people say to me, well, I'm just going to wait till all these people disappear. And if there's a rapture, well, then I'll become a believer. Have fun. You can't even follow Christ right now here in America. Oh, you don't get invited to parties. You get all the eye rolls. People mock you. Are you going to be able to follow Christ in the tribulation period? Better be ready. God will be with you here now in whatever you face. And I believe we will be spared. So a word of comfort. And then a word of exhortation. It's scary stuff that we're studying. It's, and, it, and it will get scary. Let's just be real. But now is not the time to hide. Now is not the time to cower in fear. Now is not the time to try to go under the radar. We need to be witnesses for Christ like never before. Jesus gave us our job description in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, he said to Christians, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. I love that. You are the salt of the earth. Salt was a preserving agent. They'd rub salt into meat to keep it from rotting. And the idea is the world gets more and more rotten. You're the salt. I'm the salt. The church is the salt. Don't step back from that. He goes on to say, You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So we're to be the light. We are to be the salt. We are to be the counter to each one of these. We're to be those people that are pushing the wave of all that junk back. So all the deception, we champion the truth. All the wars and the rumors of wars, we champion peace. All of the cataclysmic events, all the suffering and heartaches that the church is the front lines taking care of people in those crises. Reaching out in the name of Jesus. The world will become lawless and wicked. We'll be righteous. We'll be righteous. And we'll stand for righteousness. We'll acknowledge the law. 
will seek to protect it. There will be a violent hatred in the last days. People's love will blow out, not ours. Not ours. We're going to shine. We're going to be those who love. We're going to be those who are kind to people. We're going to be those who will represent Jesus Christ well. Listen, it's no accident that we're here at this time. God declared that you're alive at this time. And right now, we need to shine. And we need to be courageous in that. God's given all of us a sphere of influence And you can shine the light of Jesus in there, the way you live, the way you talk, the way you work, the way your marriage looks, the way your family looks, the way your, the character that you have, all of that. To shine and share the gospel with others. Don't shy back. Don't hide. As bad as things get, you're going to see next week, there's an incredible thing that happens in the last days. The gospel goes out everywhere. And there are great revivals and awesome things happen. There's lots of people yet to be saved. There's lots of people in your life that God wants to save. So let's go for it. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I just pray um, for courage, courage for your people, courage for me, courage for all of us. I pray that we would not be Christians who hide the light, who lose the saltiness. Lord, I pray that we'd live for you strong and hard. Use us in the lives of our neighborhood, our neighbors, our friends, our our family, our co-workers, the students. And Lord, I want to pray for anyone here tonight or perhaps listening online. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready when Jesus returns? Are you a part of his kingdom? You know, the rapture could happen in our lifetime. I believe it will, but it might not. Nobody knows. I mean, it could be the rapture or it could be death. Your death could come. Will you be ready to meet the Lord at the moment of death? Are you saved? Lord Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world. He paid the price. We can all be forgiven of our sins. We don't have to be caught up in that lawlessness, that 
cesspool of wickedness. We can live righteous lives. We can have our sins forgiven and the Holy Spirit can come live inside of us and change us and make us new. And that happens through faith in Christ who died on the cross for you. If you have yet to receive him, place your faith and trust in him right now. Receive him into your heart. Just cry out to him a prayer like this. Lord, I want to be ready. I want to, I want to be saved. I want to be a part of your people. And thank you for the sacrifice you made that I could become one of your people. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Paying the price for my sins. I invite you right now, be my Lord and Savior. Wash away all my sins. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen.